Let us pray in preparation for the reading and preaching of God's word. God of all wisdom, you have promised to speak to us through your living word. So now as the scripture is read and Dale preaches your word, open our ears and hearts to receive your spirit of truth. Amen. Listen now to God's word from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 17 through 22. Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to ordinary human standards, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. For in him every one of God's promises is a yes. For this reason it is through him that we say the amen to the glory of God. But it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us by putting his seal on us and giving us his spirit in our hearts as a first installment. This is the word of the Lord. The sermon series is Things I've Learned. And this is my opportunity to look back over 40 years of a life in ministry and to reflect, to ask myself, what has experience taught me? What do I know about God? And what do I know about being the people of God? And about what God hopes for us and about what God wants of us. Uh, this has been a gift to me to be able to look back and collect the things that I know and seek to share them with you in the hope that the sharing will be mutually beneficial for us uh, as we journey down the road in the next months and years. Last week I mentioned that the founders of our church had two major values, two deep and lasting commitments that they wanted our congregation to always be. One of them was that they wanted this congregation to be a welcoming place for children and young people. They wanted children and youth to have a vital role in the life of the congregation. We talked about the children last week. The other deep and abiding commitment of our founders was that they wanted this congregation to be a people who were as mindful of, as caring toward the people beyond our congregation as we are caring for one another within the congregation. They knew from the very beginning that we are a people with many advantages that many people in the world do not have. 
And so from the beginning, they thought these advantages also call us to something. They also give us a responsibility that we will care for others uh, in the community beyond us as much as we care for one another within the community. That was their second deep value and abiding commitment. Well, I don't know how many of you have ever heard the story of why our church is on this location. Back in 1952, the land that our church sits on was a meadow. Island Crest Way was not yet here. You had to go south on uh, 78th Street and then turn east on 40th and come back around to this meadow. And our founders wanted to buy this property for the new church, but they had a challenge. They had a significant problem. This was actually, I forget, three or four different parcels of land, and one of the owners was an absentee owner. He would be gone for long periods of time, and no one could knew how to get a hold of him. But when the founders were ready to buy this property, they experienced their real estate miracle. And that absentee owner showed up just at the right time, and the, the deal for all the parcels of land was put together, and probably without planning it at the time, this church was located at the very center of the population of the Puget Sound area, right in the very center of the population of the Puget Sound, as though by our very location, a God was crying out to us to be a church for Mercer Island, yes, for sure, but also for beyond Mercer Island, for the people all around us, in fact, as far as we could reach. Now, I told that story in the first service, and a man who was visiting came up to me and said, let me tell you more of that story. He said, in 1952, my uncle was going to buy this meadow to graze his cows, but he decided it was too rocky. And so he didn't buy it and moved on to Carnation or somewhere like that, and the land remained available for us. I ask new members in the new members class to think about who we are as a congregation. And the answer to that, well, we are a congregation of people probably more highly educated than 95% of the people in the world. We are a congregation with more financial resources than probably 98% of the people in the world. There are people in our congregation who have influence in all kinds of professions and organizations. We are a congregation that is highly networked. 
with people that we are and people that we know who are gifted and talented and experts in a whole variety of professions. And we are people who travel the world for business and for leisure. So it's easy to think of ourselves as world citizens. And then it's just another step to think of ourselves as world Christians. Our founders knew the scriptures. Well, let me say our scripture today from 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1 says that all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. Our founders knew that one of the primary, most basic, in fact, one of the first promises of God is the one given to Abraham, found way back in Genesis chapter 12 that through Abraham, or more particularly through one of his descendants, through Messiah, all the peoples of the world, all the nations of the world would be blessed. They knew that promise. And our scripture today says that all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. And then it goes on to say, we are the ones who say the amen to that truth, that all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. We're the ones who through our lives, through how we live our lives in the world, through how we reach out to others with the goodness and the love of God, we are the ones who say the amen to God's steadfast love. So I get the new members class thinking about why are we in the location that we're in? Why did God choose this location for us? And how is being who we are as a people call us to fulfill the commitment of our founders to reach out beyond us? I've been thinking this week about the church's ministry beyond Mercer Island, and there are three learnings that I think I have experienced over the 23 years that I've been here in this church that I'd like us to think about briefly this morning. The first one is that when we reach out to others to bless them, we ourselves will be blessed. The blessing comes back upon us. And I'll use as an example of that our Mexico house building mission. You know, for at least 16 years, we couldn't figure out last month if it was 16 years or 17, high school students from this community have been building houses in Tijuana, Mexico. And it is a significant gift when you build one house for one family that did live in a little shack put together with cardboard and discarded pieces of metal and wood. You've seen some of the houses people live in there. To give them a solid house to live in is a huge gift 
for their future. But if you do it not just for one family, but for six or eight or ten, and if you do it not one year, but 16 or 17 years so far, and if you do it with a coalition of other church youth groups that are also building four or five or eight houses year after year after year, then that gift eventually lifts the entire community of the poor to a higher economic level. If you would go to the poor areas of Tijuana today, and if you knew how to look for them, you would see house after house after house, tens and hundreds of houses built by young people from Western Washington. But of course, that wasn't my point, was it, <laughs> of the Mexico mission? The point is not that we bless them, the people there, which we do. The point is that the blessing comes back to us. If you ask almost any high school student who's ever been on that Mexico mission, or any of the adults who accompany them, they will tell you with enthusiasm how alive they felt when they were there how much closer to God they felt, how much more spiritually alert they were to the presence and the goodness of God when they were there. The blessing comes back to us. Uh, the cure for uh, spiritual dryness or doldrums just not feeling alive spiritually. One of the cures is to reach out with a blessing to someone else because the blessing comes back to us individually, to us as a congregation of God's people. We become more spiritually alive when we reach out to others. I don't know if our founders understood that, but it certainly has been the experience of this church time and time again. So that's my first lesson about reaching up, out to others. The blessing comes back to us. The second learning is that we can actually do far more than we could ever think or imagine that we can do. We can have a far greater impact on the world than you would think. And for my example of this learning, I'm going to use the medical mission in Vietnam. Do you know that a few of the doctors in this church and the network of medical people that they have brought around them are creating a medical emergency, an emergency medicine system in Vietnam? Vietnam has no emergency medicine. It has emergency rooms, but if you're poor and you go there after 5 p.m., no one will see you till the following morning. They have a few ambulances, but those ambulances are just bumpy and hopefully fast rides to the hospital. They have no life-sustaining equipment in those ambulances. 
They have no trained emergency medical technicians. They have no 911 system. All the things we take for granted in emergency medicine here don't exist in Vietnam. And if you have a medical emergency there, you better hope you're near one of the few French hospitals because otherwise you are in big trouble. But a few doctors in our church with their network of doctors has been teaching emergency medicine in the medical school in Hue for the last several years. And this past March, they pulled together a national conference on emergency medicine that is the tipping point for the medical community of Vietnam. And the medical school in Hue this fall is going to begin the first residency program in emergency medicine in that country. They are creating a system of emergency medical care for a nation. And as that system is established and grows, it will bless more and more and more people until an entire nation is blessed, a fulfillment of the promise to Abraham that all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus, and one of them is that the nations will be blessed, and that those who live their lives saying amen to the goodness of God are creating this system. And it will bless generation after generation after generation. We can accomplish far more using our gifts and skills, our networks, our resources, than you could ever imagine. So that's my second learning. And the third one is that some things will not happen without us. If we don't show up, some things, some good and life-changing things, will never happen. If we're not a people who reaches out beyond our own community, I'll use for the example for this the, Chil the Child Academy in Tembisa, South Africa, where I just returned from. In 2004, all of the private, nonprofit schools uh, for the black township children of Johannesburg, schools that were trying to upgrade the education these black children received because the public school education was so dismal. In 2004, every one of them failed. Every one of them went out of existence because of financial failure due to the turndown in the economy in South Africa. Every one of them ceased to exist except one. The Child Academy still exists because we created the scholarship program that allowed it to continue. And in some ways, the Child Academy is now thriving. In 2004, they had 75 students in preschool through second grade. Now they have 400 students in preschool through seventh grade and are pointing toward a through grade 12. So in some ways, they're thriving. And yet, 
The dream of the founder, Isaac Malazzi, will never be realized without our help. His dream was that one day, the children of the child academies, education would be uh, so good that these black township children would be able to pass university entrance exams and flourish in the university and go on to be leaders in their country. The Child Academy is the only school for black township children that is private, not-for-profit, Christian, and run by black teachers and black leaders. They are surrounded by resources that can help them. But for reasons of their own, they are not able to reach out to those resources. We have to do that for them. We are the ones who can link them to the University of Pretoria. We are the ones who can link them to the Global Education Program of Seattle Pacific University. We are the ones who can help them apply for grants from the organizations and companies in South Africa that would be happy to support them. Without us there to help, it will not happen. It matters that we show up. It makes a difference in the world if we show up or if we don't. So those three learnings, when we reach out beyond our own community, our own faith community, the blessing comes back to us and revitalizes us. And we can do far more than we imagine or think we can do. And it matters that we show up. Some things won't happen without us. Uh, last year, we had a luncheon in the uh, Fellowship Hall to celebrate some of the accomplishments in Vietnam. And one of the speakers was Dr. Mark Marcouli, who is the Dean of the School of Theology and Ministry at Seattle University. And while he was speaking, an insight came to me that was so absolutely clear that I wrote it down. And this is what I wrote. If we will follow Jesus faithfully, uh, taking his word seriously, and if we will always act with humility and integrity, and if we will use our networks of resources, it's the most powerful thing we have. If we will use our networks and focus on systems change, and if we will take the long perspective and stay with our partners for years and years, then we can accomplish far more to bring God's love to nations and peoples than we would ever imagine. In some sense, we can accomplish the world together. Now what Dean Marcouli was saying when I thought that was that Seattle University is a school that sees as its mission 
teaching churches how to be church. But he said, you, Mercer Island Presbyterian Church, you are teaching us how to be a university. And why not? Why not a congregation or many congregations having this role in the world? Or why not congregations believing that they can do far more than they had ever thought, that it matters that we do show up, that we care for people beyond us? I suppose we could turn our backs on the dream of the founders, the commitment of our founders. But we know the promise to Abraham that through Jesus, the nations of the world will be blessed. And we know this scripture that the promises of God all have their yes in Jesus. And we know, we have read, that we are the people who with our lives are to say the amen, to live the amen in the world. And do you remember how our scripture ends? It's not really that we will accomplish so much, but rather it is God, when we act this way, who will establish us in Christ, who will anoint us for this task, who will seal the work and guarantee through the Holy Spirit that it will happen. We can accomplish the world as followers of Jesus. Let's join together in prayer. For our location and its call to us to be world Christians, we give you thanks. For this congregation, its leaders, its staff, its vision, it's amazing history of reaching out to others. We give you thanks. Continue to bless us, O Lord, that we might be a blessing to others, knowing that the blessing comes back to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God calls.